Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number 91 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is Lex Veldhaus Helling, I hope I pronounced that right, Helling from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Lex is the most popular Twitch streamer in the poker world and a longtime member of PokerStars Team Pro Online, a multi-time Global Poker Award winner with over 300,000 followers on Twitch. On today's show, we will get to know Lex a little better. Lex, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Hey, Robbie. Uh, good to see you. Glad to be here and uh, excellent pronunciation. So, Thank props. you. Thank you. I've been working on my Dutch, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That means thank you. All right. So that, that's what I've got. Uh, but we'll, we'll go, uh, I don't know if we're going to go into the Dutch thing so much. Um, I'm going to start out sort of saying the way, you know, just letting the audience know, the way I sort of crafted my questions, I'm, you know, very familiar with Lex and, and his career. Uh, you know, he's been at this for quite a long time, but I don't know Lex that well beyond sort of what you sort of see statistic wise and what you've seen on, you know, his video and, you know, broadcast and TV performances. So we're going to try to cast the wide net and, and then, you know, see where the conversation takes us. Um, you know, Lex, some newer poker fans, oddly enough, even though you've been around forever, may not be as familiar with you if, you know, they're, they're not necessarily into the Twitch streets or stuff. How did you first sort of get into poker, and then we could kind of switch from that to poker content later on in your career. Yeah, um, actually, I, I played a lot of video games when, uh, you know, as you do. And uh, when I was young, I spent my whole childhood like playing Nintendo, started going into competitive uh, games with the rise of the internet. Uh, so I started playing StarCraft, um, through which I uh, met... Um, uh, one of my best friends now, Victor Gosens, he's the, the CEO and founder of Team Liquid. It's a huge esports empire. Um, we're actually roommates when he started the forum that led to the site. So, um, And at one point he told me, literally he said, uh, I found a video game that you can make money with. Um, so that was my introduction to poker. It wasn't a card game. It wasn't like, you know, we used to play hearts uh, when we were kids or something. It was literally, I found a video game. You can make money with, and uh, I, you know, as sort of like a means to get through university or something. Um, so I started playing it from there, and uh, I was I was definitely very much soaked up uh, with the online space, just grinding a lot online. And but of course, we also started watching Pokemon TV, and then you had the EPT on on Eurosport, and we started watching that. And uh, from that point, I kind of started getting really interested in also uh, doing stuff on the live scene as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. Was it so it was the money that attracted you specifically beyond just being a cool video game? Well, I think I think the money thing was probably sort of like an, an excuse to do it, if you know what I mean. Um, because he did say it's like it's a video game and it's, you know, there's a lot of strategy and it's awesome. And I started playing and we started, you know, and it, it really felt what I liked about StarCraft is 1v1 and you really had to try and sort of like estimate what your opponent was thinking. You know, are they likely to tilt as well? Are they very aggressive in their play? Are they more defensive? It's a strategy game, right? You mm -hmm. both have to build like a little army and just play like a strategic war pretty much. So mm -hmm. poker felt the same to me when you play hands or when you play heads up and, you know, you have to get into the mind of your opponent. So quickly I saw a lot of similarities that really spoke to me. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's really weird and it's sort of like easy to say that, but 
especially during like the first six, seven years of my career, I never thought about the money. I just saw it as like this immensely deep competitive game. And sort of like money was the means that you needed, almost right. as if it was like this online uh, online uh, coin or something, right? Like that mm-hmm. you have in video games. So I always saw it as sort of like grinding the levels. And I I definitely wanted to get to the highest stakes because of the competition there. So um, like obviously throughout the years, you learn that money is important as well. And, sure. you know, investment, future, all that stuff. But um, no, it's, 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 I think it was sort of like an excuse, but it's definitely the game that swept me up. You still play other video games today, though, right? Not just uh, online poker. Yeah, yeah, I still love playing. Uh, I love playing Dota uh, very much. Also, very much, a lot of strategy involved, uh, coordination and uh, quick thinking and stuff. I love playing Valorant, you know, sh- as a, a shooter game. So there's definitely lots of games. I mean, I, I would love to, you know, sometimes I reminisce and I think, oh, I would love to just play Zelda again on a Nintendo or something. But I spend so much time behind my computer; it's just easier to do it there. So most of it goes towards PC gaming um, when I try to, when I can find an hour. And it's nice too, because, you know, there's lots of different things on Twitch. So a lot of people that watch uh, poker on Twitch are also used to watching something like Dota and will have right. like multiple interests, right? So I can kind of sometimes step on a, a side path and, and stream a little bit of Dota, um, you know, for, for like a day uh, once every month or something. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Right. So I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself as far as like the questioning, but sort of like, Follow up on that first thing, moving from playing poker into producing content. I imagine, I guess then, that you know, because of that whole love for video games and that whole world, that streaming your play was very natural because that was already being done in the video game sphere. Yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah, it was absolutely spot on. Um, uh, especially early with content. What I really liked about video games is I have a lot of friends from online, and one of my best friends, like I said, got me into poker, right? And he's one of my best friends to date. So. Um, I always valued the community aspect uh, very highly uh, from what you could uh, find yourself in uh, online. And um, so I I was just browsing uh, different kind of fora and I had, you know, different groups of people there talking to them. And it kind of became natural for me to sort of like report in those groups what I was doing. And because it was rising through the ranks quite quickly, it caught on. It caught some attention because you know I was talking about playing five, ten, ten, twenty mm-hmm. long sessions, and sites were asking me to do strategy articles, and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and I always, I always wanted to be sponsored and travel the world or something, right? Like it felt like such a dream to be, you know, like a, a stars ambassador and just go to these tournaments and do all this cool shit. You know, it opens a lot of doors, and um, I, I, I don't know that that that. So it came natural to me and I like doing it. I like the interaction. I like people following my stuff, asking questions, talking to people about poker. Um, and um, so, you know, the, the sort of natural progression to that was indeed was just uh, uh, also streaming. And I was, I mean, I started streaming, I think in 2015. Yeah, 2015 or 16, um, I started streaming, but my Twitch account is from 2009, right? right? So I, I've watched video games all those years so back in it was uh, justin tv days right yeah 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 exactly yeah 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 justin tv account so uh for me personally it just it was uh it was like combining you know how people say like you make your passion your job or or your your hobby is your job or whatever i was able to combine two passions into one job right so Mm -hmm. streaming poker for me just it feels like everything comes full circle i'm back with esports back with gaming back in that space you know where people talk a lot about games so it's just, it honestly couldn't be more perfect for me. Was there ever a point where you kind of, ha- I mean, 
at some point now it's like, you know, you take it for granted. This in a sense, this is what I do. And, you know, I do it very well. I'm at the top of my game and great poker player. Was there ever a point along your progression from just a guy who loves video games to what you are now, like an inflection of like, holy crap, this is kind of an amazing life that I'm able to lead and make a living doing this. Did that happen? Because I don't imagine you necessarily grew up thinking you could do this for a living. No, no, for sure. I mean, that's just like, especially what's really nice is that I've always sort of like stuck with my crew from when we're like 10. So I have a lot of the same friends from back in the day. So what's really nice about that too, like sometimes when you're inside the whirlwind and you're just going there and you, you know, you live in Vegas for a year or something and it, 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 you're still steadily climbing some sort of progression, right? Like, oh, first you play online, you start traveling a little bit. I lived in Vegas and then you play cash games there. And naturally you play 2550 because you grinded yeah. all the levels before that. Mm-hmm. And then you fly out a friend to stay with you for three weeks. And they're just like, holy shit, dude. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so th- those are really good moments. And I think that that always helped me uh, stay really grounded as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends from uh, back in the day, um and i don't know you know i think that i had it a little bit less when i was younger because like you're you're hungry and you're like well i fucking worked for this or you know i'm really good at the game now or you have like this sort of bravado confidence uh trusting your ability and i think once you get older and obviously you see more of the world and you start traveling you see different places and situations that people are in and you get humbled in certain aspects of life yourself uh, I think that you start appreciating things like freedom and the freedom to move around and uh, money that comes with it and just being able to, that it's not so normal to just being able to sort of chase your passion, right? That a lot of people have a dream, but it, it's hard to get it going or it's hard to, to, to kickstart it or you can't, uh, you know, stop a secure situation or something or you have too many responsibilities. So I think that's, I think that when I just started doing it and I quit university and which I definitely wouldn't do these days anymore. Um, but back in the day, you know, it was a little bit of a different situation. And I started doing all that and that I felt amazing and I felt free and I was just like, I can just grind and I can do whatever I want and I can travel the world. And, and I think then I, I, I definitely grew sort of accustomed to that. And I think that I'm actually in one of the more appreciative per, um, uh, periods now again and since I started streaming. And I think that's also because I started talking to so many people every day through the stream that were just like, holy shit, you can live off this or something? Or like, yeah, you know, and it just, you start seeing things through people's eyes that, that kind of talk to you about it for the first time. And that, that's very cool. Right. And also, I mean, it provides an inspiration because sure, it's easy to just go ahead and see the results, but, you know, you have to look back. You said, you know, you created that account back in 2019. You've been streaming since 2015 and it's not just checking in once a week. It's that that consistency and like, you built it up into what mm-hmm. it is. And that can, you know, that work ethic to have gotten where you got to from where you started, I think that's the, the inspiring uh, story here. Mm. Um, I first became aware who is Lex Veldhaus when I saw high stakes poker uh, oh, yeah. you know, way back in the day. And uh, I have to admit also, you know, I said I'm fanboy because. I even rewatched a little bit. I know you did that great uh, run it back with Remco, uh, good friend Rem- Remco Rinkum on Poker Go uh, a little while ago, sort of going through your time playing on high stakes poker. Um, you know, that that was pretty cool because, uh, you know, at some point you're used to the cast of characters, you know, the Doyles, the, the Elia Lezros, the Negranos there. And then the, who's this Lex kid? That was like mm-hmm. a very interesting thing. And 
where did he get all this money from that he could play high stakes poker? I've never heard of him before. Yeah. Obviously, you moved from that online sphere into the live sphere. Can you kind of sort of tell us or get back into that mind frame? What was it like all of a sudden front and center on a TV stage doing, you know, the button clicking, but with real chips? Oh, uh, I mean, especially I spoke a while. I mean, that to me was such, such an insane milestone. I really had to sort of like rub my eyes to see if it was really happening. I mean, the first season of High Six Poker, I was playing uh, five cent, ten cent online, watching mm. it with my friends every Monday morning. You know, everybody would come over. We'd stay awake from playing Sundays and we'd just watch it. And everybody was mesmerized and so enthralled by the characters and stuff. It was just incredible. So to me, that felt like one of the, the biggest because I got there completely by myself, right? I grind. I literally started playing free rolls. I played penny tables. I played every single level of cash games that you can find online and grinded my way up through it. And I got to the point where you, you kind of feel like you reached the top of the summit, right? You play high stakes poker. Like that's, that in a lot of, in a lot of ways, that's probably one of the best games you can play and one of the highest stakes. And it's one of the most uh, notorious games, right? So it, it hits all these levels and it's just, I mean, it's amazing. I, I've always loved playing live as well. I feel like it, it adds an extra depth to the competitive element of poker and the psychology of it. And um, yeah, that, that, that was incredible. Um, I, I always kind of felt very much like I wanted to conquer all different areas of poker. So I've, I've, you know, I started with online cash games. Then I started playing live tournaments and online tournaments. And then I played uh, high stakes cash games uh, live, and then I played PLO, and then you know, all these different things. Now I play tournaments again. So the the high stakes sort of the the live cash games were just a natural progression in that for sure. So what is it, or what is what point do you reach mentally with each? Thing. Like, for example, you get you get on high stakes poker and you moved on from that to sort of do other things. What is it that, you know, is involved in that decision making process? OK, I've conquered this mountain. Let me find another one. Or it becomes a little less interesting to you. you know, like, how, how do you decide what the, the next thing you want to do? And the reason I'm asking, and you know, I, I mean, there's a no offensive way whatsoever. But one of the things, you know, I always do, you know, before interviewing someone, I look at the Hendon mob. I see no live results since 2018, obviously, you know, people mm. pandemic and stuff, but your focus has been you know, online. It's not because, oh, I'm just failing to cash, you know, over 500 in live tournaments. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I'm wondering, like, you know, what's the thought process there that, you know, moved you out of that live realm a little bit? Um, it's actually a combination of things. I, um, I had a, uh, so I was doing really well uh, around high six poker time. Um, I was backing a few people that ended up doing really poorly. Um, I went on like a one and a half, two million dollar downswing, and um, I had some stuff happen in my personal life. So it, everything kind of converged together where I was just like, okay, it's irresponsible to keep doing this, right? Hmm. It's irresponsible because like there are so many little things that matter when you play high stakes live cash games, right? Are you gonna get in the right game at the right time? Or yes. you need to travel for it. If you don't get in a game, what other game do you play? Or you know, it's there, there is a lot more variables uh, that need to go right, uh, uh, you know, for you to be able to really build on that. And it just didn't feel secure. So um, I kind of felt like I wanted to gear back down and start playing online again. But I played so live so much and uh, such high stakes. So I remember going online and I was just I was logging in and I was just like, OK, so now I'm going to grind 5, 10, 10, 20 or whatever. And it's fine. And I was like, holy shit, these guys are really fucking good. And I, I was just in a different habitat that whole time. It's kind of the same where 
I mean, it's not the same that I don't mean to compare myself to him, but people sometimes ask me, would Tom Dwan be able to beat 5, five 10, or 10, 20 online? <laughs> no, but he doesn't need to right. because he's playing 10K, 20K against the same group of people all fucking here. So it doesn't matter for him, right? And that's kind of like, that's very much how I, I felt in that time. I was just playing really high six cash games one or two times a week, uh, played some big games in, in Vegas and whatever. Like, why the hell would I be studying some reg that plays 510 or, or strategy there? It's literally better for me to go for dinner with the people that I play that I play poker with and get drunk, right? <laughs> so so I, I was I was in a huge disconnect from online. Also, uh, so that was that was the definitely the big part. So I, I had a lot of work to do. Right. Um the second part of it was back then people really thought that GTO playing GTO, this was like at the rise of like GTO and like Sauce came out with all these videos and talks and and people really thought that playing GTO meant not making mistakes. So mm -hmm. That kind of translated itself to a play style where people would just never bet because they thought if I bet, I open the door for somebody to exploit me. And so you would have these pots where you, in a cash game, you would have top pair versus an over pair and the pot was 15 big blinds on the river. And it was just like, check, 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 bet call. Right. And I was just like, what, the, what is this shit? You know, like, are we seriously? And it turned me off so much from Hold'em that I was just like, okay, so I, first of all, I have work to do. Second of all, if I do the work, I end up in this insanely boring spot. So then I just tried to look around. I played a WCP where I actually played a shitload of horse and Oma High Low. And I played horse at Bellagio and all that stuff. And I kind of settled on uh, Parliament Oma. So then I just played that for three years online. So I just, you know, I just kind of went back home, played Parliament Oma for three years and just kind of like did that for, uh, for a while to, just to change things up. And I felt like, you know, there's a lot of action, obviously, in PLO. It was a new game, so you can go through the learning curve again, which kind of hits like the video game sort of aspect yeah. of finding a new game. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's how that went. So it's like a lot of different things combined that just made it a natural decision. You know, it's the, the old saying, you know, if you're the ninth best poker player in the world, if you're playing against the eight better ones, you know, you're the fish, so to yeah. speak. And you never yeah. know, game selection is is so critical. You know, you have uh, folks like Doug Polk who say he was the best, but he was the best at one very specific thing you know, the heads up sort of thing. So, you, you know, you knew what your niche was, got to go back to your bread and butter. I, I got to respect that. For those who don't know, just explain GTO, Game Theory Optimal Play. It's very uh, in vogue these days. And Sauce is uh, Ben Salsky. For those who don't know, you can go ahead and research him. Tremendous yeah. player. I will say also, not about me, but that thing that you described about the whole Tom Dwan thing, that's actually what I always tell people. That's why I'm not playing the high rollers because I just, I can go ahead and focus on beating the people in my home game which mm. is much tougher than those high rolls. The high rollers, I can go ahead and you know, wipe the flow <laughs> with them. But I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. Very much resonates. Yeah. Um, important to switch gears every so often. So we'll switch gears just a little bit, move back to the Twitch thing specifically. You know, I've watched many Twitch streams. I can't say I tune in every single day regularly, but I've watched it. And one of the things that constantly impresses me about top streamers such as yourself is that capability of doing everything simultaneously. It's, you know, watching what's going on in the chat, talking, engaging with your viewers, answering questions, interacting with them. And also you can't just donk off all your chips and mess up. You've got to focus on playing poker. And we all know you've experienced tremendous success while on stream while doing that. What is sort of the secret to multitasking but not just doing that, but so effectively. Mm. Uh, I think I think one of one of my skills is switching 
gears quickly. So switching processes, switching gears, sort of keep something running in my head while something else is going on. Um, I'm very alert also in real life. So like, you know, if something happens on the other side of the room, I'll notice it or something. You know what I mean? Like if we're, if we're, if, if we're talking in a group of people and something happens in another table in a restaurant or something, I'll usually notice it. So I kind of feel like I'm very aware of all the things that are going on and you just also have to make sacrifices. You know, if I want to become uh, the best poker player I can be, I should quit streaming right now. So mm -hmm. I need to accept that I'm uh, sacrificing a certain amount of value uh, for the fact that I want to run a good stream. Um, and I think that's also one of my strengths because I barely miss questions that people ask me in chat. Um, you know, I'll choose to ignore some or whatever, or my moderators will pick up some of the easier ones or something. Um, but, or if I just talked about something, I might ignore it, but I pick up on most stuff in chat and I, I know that people really like that, the engagement, right? Uh, but that means that I might miss a spot in some rando tournament, but the way I have my screen set up, I'll always prioritize, obviously, the higher buy-ins and the more important tournaments. But it's tough as well because you get judged on... I get judged based on how good I'm at streaming, but right. also how good I'm at poker, right? Like, if people will just... If people will just completely forget that I have a streaming career when I talk about, like, my poker results or whatever. And, you know, I do, I do fine. Like, you know, I'm happy with how poker's going and I'm putting a lot of effort into uh, studying, coaching, all that stuff right now. Um, but it's like even my coach, just like, uh, yeah, you should not be folding 10-5 offsuit here. And I'll be like, yeah, it's probably 14 tabling on a Sunday with 6,000 people in the chat. And he's like, yeah, but it's not my fucking job to judge you on that. Like, yeah, it's just a bad fault, you know? So, right. so I, I, have, I, have, I have coaches, like shout out to BBC. I have coaches that, that keep me very, very honest um, in that sense. And I think it's just... It is just a skill you need to have because I I do also think that like you, you know I feel like I'm my own audience. So if I'm watching a streamer play something like let's say they're playing Dota and they're not saying anything, they're not highlighting any comments from chat, not between games or whatever. Those are not the people I really gravitate towards watching. Um, so I'll watch other people uh, other people play, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I just want to do it. And I mean, yeah, it, you know, I love doing it. So you know. It, but it's it's fucking exhausting. It really yeah. is. After yeah. a session, I really feel sometimes I get so as soon as sort of like I turn my camera off and like I turn the lights off and I turn my camera off and the poker's done. I turn my camera on black, I'll actually lock the door because mm -hmm. I feel so sort of like overstimulated. Yeah, overstimulated. I'll close the door and I'll turn the lights off and stuff, and I'm just like I do a lot, I, you know, usually after a session, I immediately try to do some sort of like meditation or something mm -hmm. to get rid of the tension. But like sometimes my mind is just completely worked, you know, and I'll just sit there for like 20 minutes. I, if I stop streaming, it takes me one and a half, two hours to be able to go to bed, you know. Wow. So, um, and I love doing it, right? So, so it's not, that's not a complaint, but it's, uh, it's just, it's very, very, very intense. Also, because you're just on camera the whole time, right? Yeah. So it's just. This non-stop sort of like attention on you. So yeah, don't take your notes. Don't take your notes. I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally for sure. I mean, but, I know after finishing my own home game sessions, you know, again, just that that drive home is helpful. But still, sometimes I'm just buzzing. You know, I'm not a yeah. professional player, but you know, like there's there's that energy. You gotta just like you know tap the brakes, slow slow it down. Um, yeah, that's it, an incredible thing. You know, you said you used an interesting phrase. You said 
I'm judged by, you know, like the stream and I'm judged as a poker player. I'm wondering though, you know, you, you're cooling down, you know, you have this post session, but you know, you're doing this all the time, the consistent stream. When you finish, what is like typically, you know, you ask a poker player, okay, you review your sessions, you review your hands. Do you just sort of say to yourself, was that a good stream or did I play well? What sort of direction is your brain thinking in as far as like improving for next time and judging yourself? Um, I spent a lot of time when I first started streaming on trying to sort of, I mean, perfect is a big word, but get it to a quality that I really stand behind that I like. Mm -hmm. So I was barely studying poker or something, but I would just massively put like hours into just streaming, community building, uh, working on my graphics, layout, like make sure that all of that stuff is really good mm -hmm. um, uh, to a point where I'm really happy with it. And then I started developing the poker uh, front the last two, three years massively. Um, but the thing is, when I stream, I don't really try to put on a show. So I usually think about the poker a lot because what I... That's why sometimes you'll see me like less energetic on stream. Sometimes you'll see me super fucking mad because poker is going really poorly, miss a few big spots. But I really feel like the best way to run a poker stream is to to just do a normal online session and then turn a camera on. And that's mm -hmm. that's what my stream is like, right? So that means that I'm also gravitating very much towards uh, you know, towards the the poker playing and that sort of stuff. So that's usually what I think about after the stream. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I do kind of also think like, wow, that that was amazing. And maybe I should have streamed, uh, you know, maybe maybe I should have highlighted this. Oh, I have this, you know, these cool new graphics that I could have used then and there or something. You know, I have like sometimes these moments that you forget to do or something where you 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 can sort of like zone in a little bit deeper. And then I might think like, oh, maybe I shouldn't play like 14 tables on Sunday, but I should play 11 because that'll give me the brain space to actually do some of those segments that people really like, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so... I definitely review both, but in the end, I, I feel like I'm a professional poker player that turns on a camera. So I, I, I do think about the, the poker the poker side of it a lot. Interesting. And I guess, do you make adjustments moving forward based on, you know, evaluating yourself in that way? Yeah. And what I do, so I kind of figured out, like, what I figured out is I don't have time to study with all the streaming and everything that's going on because it's okay. also like, like, like you mentioned, right? Like when you're cooling down from a session, one thing that's really good is review hands or think about hands or talk to friends about hands. It's just streaming during a natural poker session. Let's say you're one tabling the final tournament of the night or something. And normally you're behind a computer and you're chilling. You have downtime in between hands and all that stuff. There's no downtime in streaming. So every single piece of downtime, there, there's conversation or there are things that you mentioned or there's question you reply to, right? So there's no downtime in your session in terms of being on so um, what i try to do uh, uh after the session is just completely not do anything poker related because like my brain is just too fried to go over strategy so i'll like listen to ufc podcast or something or i go walk outside a lot like for half an hour after my streams just listen to ufc shit mostly um but uh, then i kind of figured like i, I kind of started thinking about it okay so i always used to think what is the best thing i can work on for my stream and i would have this question i would be able to give answers for like three four years and then i was like i mean i could work on this or i can work on emos or something but i truly feel that the best thing i can do for my stream now is really work on my poker game so nice. then i then i really started sort of like zoning in on that but then i kind of realized like okay 
I don't have the time because I already, you know, I spend 50, 60 hours working every week. So where the fuck am I going to find the time to study? Right. That was a big yeah. thing. Do I want to stop streaming on a certain day? And I was like, no, because that hurts my stream again. So what do I do most effectively? So um, what I do now is pretty much I pay somebody by the hour to watch streams along and they hear me talk about spots and big spots and they'll save that spot. They'll start calculating that uh, afterwards and hear if my strategy is sound. And then they'll uh, they'll write me a report about it. it. Yeah, so that's super efficient for me because um, normally when you study, you first have to like find the mistakes then you have to calculate the mistakes. And this way, it's super efficient for me. Um, and I also work with VBZ, who's a, a poker, who has a poker training school. And what I do with him every three months, I send him my complete database, all my hands, everything. And he always picks like the worst three topics of mine, spends a lot of time calculating everything, sure. looks for all the examples. And then we fix them over like one on one hours of studying, which has just like improved my win rates an insane amount as well. Huge. So it's super efficient. I never have to like touch a solver myself to just think like, okay, let's calculate this or where would my mistakes be? I just get it like, this is bad. This is what we need to work on. This is the solution. And that plays into my strengths as well because I'm not like a researcher. I hate figuring out like programs, sitting down, playing around with stuff, but I'm really good at applying. Mm -hmm. So if they tell me like, you're doing this wrong and this is what you're supposed to be doing, I'm really good at applying it like 20 different situations where they're like, whoa, you're, you know, your win rate jumped up amazingly from you made a lot of progress based on those few sessions but if you put me in front of a computer and be like you have a week to study i just sit there and i would have a lot of trouble getting going you know so for sure I, I, yeah no go ahead yeah i just i just found a system that really works for me so it's kind of nice because now i notice like i really love where my community is at where my stream is at like how everything's going i did like a big graphics rehaul everything and now it's just like poker 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 and that also you know, you, you just see that all those extra levels of the game. And it's so cool now, you know, moving up in stakes and, you know, playing 1Ks, 2Ks, 5Ks online very regularly. So now that whole poker sort of like passion is coming to the forefront again. So it's uh, it's been a nice uh, a nice symbiosis in that way. That's awesome. And I can't help, you know, as you said, you know, I pay someone by the end. Like you have a team and, you know, the greats in every sport, you know, I can't, I know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. I still remember, you know, like, always like reviewing the tapes. Obviously Michael Jordan did that, the best, you know, the tennis players, you know, the, the, the golf players, they have you know, the best ones. They have the team around them that helps make them better. You imagine Kobe wasn't going and clipping, you know, video editing him, you know, he had mm -hmm. someone do that for him, but that is, you know, to borrow that poker term, the GTO way for you, for Lex, mm -hmm given everything that you do to study. I think that's that's really insightful. I don't think uh, necessarily a lot of people who even know how hard you grind don't necessarily know that. So thanks for dropping that nugget there. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, in 2020, you know, you got to tap, you know, we like, you know, lots of times, you know, the bracelet wins, whatever. This was a massive, massive highlight for you. You broke the record for the most viewers ever watching a poker broadcast on Twitch. 58,799, if we got uh, our yeah. Elias Stats Bureau correctly, uh, simultaneous viewers. I, you know, after everything you've said, after a regular session, when you're engaging and your mind's going bananas and overstimulated, you know, multiply that by a million. You know, I can't even imagine the type of high you get from an experience like that. And the thing is, you know, human nature is once you have a high, you know, you want to just chase after that high over and over again. 
but that's not real life. You know, you got to sort of, as you said, you called it work. You got to show up for the next day of work, get back to the stream. How is that possible? How do you, you know, go down from Everest and, you know, when you know that the next Everest is, you know, maybe a week away, a month away, another year away till you have a moment like that again, how do you stay motivated? I guess, uh, I guess in that sense, I'm just also trained by poker in that, right? Like in poker, you can win the Sunday million the, the one week and you can run a downswing the next week. And mm-hmm. you just know, like, you just have to be ready for when the moments are there. And like, that's something huge that, you know, that poker teaches you that there is a possible negative outcome and there is a possible uh, bad side to an investment or an idea that you have. So, you know, I just look at it like as the achievement that I'm super happy with. And, you know, that was very huge for me in a, in a personal way as well, because like I said, I've been watching Twitch for so long and, at that moment, I was number one globally on Twitch, right? I was the biggest stream in the entire world running at that time. To me, that was, that was like, it gives me goosebumps, like recalling that feeling, you know what I mean? I was just looking, I was just like, wow, this is amazing, you know? But a lot of things, it's like lightning in a bottle. A lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Um, you know, if I, uh, like during, during Scoop uh, last month, I had 25, 26 thousand viewers at a point. Yeah. I know that if I went to all ends, I'm going to go to 35,000, right? It might happen that time, but, you know, all you can do is just, it's just, it's just make use of the situation the best you can. You know, I, I would, it's also weird because like, sometimes you feel like viewers are building so much that if you would like fold a hand, your viewership goes up. But, you know, I, I think that's a very slippery slope. I think there there will be a lot of regrets if you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just always feel like the one thing that's under my control is the poker that I play. If I make that as good as possible, if people come, they come. If they don't, they don't. If I have a high amount of viewers, then that's great. If I don't, maybe some other time. But the number one uh, drive is to put good content out there and play good poker. And then one day I might do something really sick that only 8,000 people or only between, you know, quotation marks as compared (laughs) to 60,000. Right. See, and then the next time it might be less hype and all of a sudden you have 24,000 viewers, you know, you don't know, like online is so fickle. And like I said, it's a lightning in a bottle situation. Mm-hmm. Like everybody started tweeting about it. You know, it's just like you're number one on Twitch. So everybody just goes to like twitch.tv, sees this fucking guy at the top. And it's just like, oh, what's that? I never right. seen that before. You know, they're used to watching other streamers or something. So they click it. So you get a lot of extra random viewers in there. So, you know, there's, it's also, it's, you know, it, it, it is such a, I mean, you combine the whole Twitch mechanic with a poker mechanic. So something has to go really right in the right time of year during a big tournament series. And then online has to react to it in a right way as well. Like there's so many things that are out of my control there that I don't really feel the need to chase it either. Right. Because I know Mm -hmm. what that situation that that playing field is like. And, you know, if it happens again, then fucking amazing. But the, the one thing I really look at is like, how is my overall viewership doing? Right. Not how is my viewership doing when I'm going in day three of the 10K main event, because that's sort of like easy to get a lot of viewers and everybody would. Um, but how is my stream doing on Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m.? Like that what really tells me if there's a growth or decline or what people are doing in that sense. So that that to me, you know, if if I would have, let's say, 7,000 viewers Wednesday 5 p.m. every time, and then a month later I have 4,000 viewers every time, that's something that worries me. Right. You know, right. so that's that's more of uh, the the sort of like red line that that's concerning me. Yeah. I think that's instructive, not just to just the audience, you know, getting to know you better. You know, what's what's Lex all about, and you know, your day to day grind, but also potential streamers out there. You know, there's a lot of people who look to folks such as yourself and say, "Man, I wish I could do that." And even if they're not going to 
reach those those levels, they want to obtain that sort of consistency. And that's a, a really cool, again, you know, nice nugget of information and mm-hmm. wisdom that you dropped there for everyone. So thanks for doing that and, uh, you know, kind of pulling the curtain back, uh, you know, what's important to you. What do you like most? What do you like least about streaming? Uh, I like the interaction the most. I like sort of like, I feel like when you're streaming, let's say you're playing a tennis match and all your friends come watch. So you yep. feel that support. You feel that sort of like energy. There's a lot of people there. That's that's what it really feels like. It's it feels it sort of feels like you're the people's champion at that moment. You know, <laughs> like every, like it. most people are rooting for you. I know a lot of people are also anti-sweating you when they're watching, and it's absolutely <laughs> fine. I get that. You know, it's not like I generally I'm a pretty polarizing. I'm outspoken about a lot of things, which means that you become a little bit polarizing. Um, so uh, but mostly people want to see you succeed, and and you feel that sort of love and that support and. So in that sense, you you feel like the people's champion trying to do things. You know, you're an extension of the people watching. Um, what I what what I what I hate most. I said what I'll you like least. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the pain is a strong word. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that would definitely be uh, being under a microscope constantly. Mm-hmm. Like it's like people trying to sort of like govern your thoughts and feelings, right? It's like. I could just be sitting there like this and I feel absolutely fine. And somebody's like, Lex, you look tired. You should eat something so you get more energetic. <laughs> like, Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, leave yeah. me alone. Or like, why, wh- why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Or people will say that you eat wrong. Oh, why, why do you, why do you, why do you scrape? Why do you use your teeth when off a spoon? Yeah, because my food is blistering fucking hot and I put hot sauce on it. You know, like, leave me the fuck alone. It's, you really get that sort of like step off. Kind of mm. thing, and I know you call it upon yourself because I decide to turn on a camera. But sure. some people take it pretty far. Or like, if I decide, you know, if I'm super consistent, and I stream a lot, I've been streaming a lot over the years, with a, with a lot of consistency, and then you take a day off, and then you get like 15 PMs or whatever on social media. Where the fuck are you? Like, yeah. do you really think you can just take a day or something? Or, or you'll take one day and you'll come back the next day, and somebody will ask, "How was your vacation?" It's like, are you serious right now? You know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what vacation are you talking about? So that's sort of constantly being under under the loop. That's definitely uh, in 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 lots of ways exhausting. Which also it's kind of funny because when let's say I take a week off, I start using social media more, or I'll post something on Instagram or something. But when I'm streaming a lot, uh, week in week out, I'm I'm not posting that much. Right. I'm I'm reading it, but it feels like I would use another platform to put myself out there, like. Oh, now, you know, I fucking stream 50 hours a week. Now here's also how I'm eating breakfast. And here's what I'm doing in my free time. And I'm walking through this forest with people commenting on it and stuff. It just becomes like, yo, you know, just becomes a bit much. So um, I don't know. So I think that, but, you know, at the same time, I have to say like streaming a lot of time when I'm feeling good and I'm in a good headspace, sometimes streaming feels like you're streaming to one person because it's one camera. Mm. Like I won't notice the the difference between a thousand viewers and 3000 viewers feels the same to me. You know, right. Um, but yeah, I would say I like that the least. But you know, it's 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 definitely just comes. It's the price, right? I decide sure. to do it myself, and I know that's what the game calls for. But um, th- that is definitely, I would say, the most draining part about it. Could you give perhaps one tip? Because you know, whether it's streaming or on YouTube or via any other sort of platform, there's so many people out there who want to get into content creation and you know like you said if they're grind and and, and put in the work they will end up being success successful but that double-edged sword of it is you are under the microscope 
what's your tip to, again, because you've just been doing this for so long, to help develop a little bit of that thicker skin and be able to deal with that? Um, I think one really important thing is that is especially on Twitch because on YouTube, YouTube is more like can be more like a highlight, right? You 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 plan content, you make it, you package it, and you put it out there. But especially if you're grinding uh, on Twitch, just be yourself um, mm-hmm. because it's really important that if you're yourself, if you if you're gonna be online eight hours a day, all day under a microscope, and you have to act, that first of all, people are smart enough to see it, in mm-hmm. most cases. Uh, second of all, uh, it'll just be tiring because you have to put on this front. Mm. It'll be really hard for you to have off days and still turn on the camera because it's just going to be too difficult to do it. Right. So I've, I really feel that's important. And if people won't watch it, then they just won't watch it. Then right. it's not for you, right? Or people won't watch it and that's fine. You know, Maybe you're not the flavor that people are looking for and that's absolutely fine. You, you have other strengths or other things that you can do and achieve. But I think that a lot of people, you see it too. Like I think a lot of people that try to put down a certain image of themselves and and match that image i think those are the streamers that need long breaks for certain mm-hmm. periods of time because it's just too exhausting to stream because you know it's like fucking being in a movie eight hours a day it's just really tiring right um and you know i i just think it's i also think that like in terms of like thicker skin it's really hard like sometimes you'll read questions online you you need to find a way to vent it I I am not a believer of the ignore the trolls movement. And I do okay. think that a lot of people that say ignore the trolls don't stream. Um, mm. Because like, I'll give you an example, right? Like somebody will say like, oh, Lex, but you know, uh, nine out of 10 people are positive. Uh, nine out of 10 people are positive today. Why do you react to the bad comments? Well, first of all, I have 50,000 unique chatters in my stream every day. That means that 5,000 of those are toxic. So that's 5,000 fucking people, right? Yeah. So if, if I get 5,000 negative comments or whatever in a day and I reply and, I, and, I, and like one or two will make me blow up, that doesn't mean that I'm feeding trolls or whatever. Like sometimes you just need to sort of like push back, right? I give the example like, uh, let's say you have, you just like, you wake up, amazing day, you have sex with your partner, you go out for lunch with your best friend and you know everything's going absolutely fine and you go to a store because you want to return a clothing item uh let, let's say you want to return like this this new shirt that you got and you take it back everything's going right and the person in the store is a massive asshole to you and they're like we're not refunding you the money why did you buy that shirt anyway if you're not going to return it? it it messes with you a little bit right and you have yeah. this whole discussion the manager comes in they tell you to fuck off and you're like whoa and you, you exit the store you have your shirt and somebody outside will tell you nice shirt asshole are you really telling me that the ignore the troll movement would just walk past that and be like, I'm having a fantastic day. This cannot bother me. No, you're going to say, shut the fuck up for something. You have a reaction. And that's what streaming is like. You get like, you get like, you, you know, you get pinned, 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 pinned to a point where you're just like, whoa, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like a troll will say something that you know a lot of people might have some sort of like dormant opinion about. Let's say... You go all in with a marginal hand, but you really need to go all in there. You know, button right. opens, you shove 32 big blinds with pocket fives and small blinds. Only way to play the hand. That's how you play the hand. But to a lot of beginners out, out there, that seems like gambling or way too aggressive because you right. get called by eights and, well, there you have it, you know? So if somebody goes like, nice punt, idiot, with fives in a 1K, <laughs> if I flame that, if I sort of like clap back and torch that person for their opinion, I know that there's 300 uh nice people that didn't say anything 
mm-hmm. that will still think it's too light, but they need to know it's not or something, right? Just to give you an example. So, right. And honestly, that's the only way it works for me to, to, to go through streaming like that. And some days I'll just ignore everything and some days you need to do it. But you, you need to, I think you need to decide based on interaction because like if you let people come really close in a positive way, right? I know people's first names. I know what they're doing. I ask them questions. If somebody's doing bad, I might send them a message after the stream. I host a live community event with Lex Live. I let people come really close. If they say stuff, if they say positive stuff, if they want to engage, if they have a critical question, I let people come really close to me. I already decided that that's what I'm going to do. So if they have something negative to say, it's already really close to me, right? Mm -hmm. If I would talk less to chat, remember less nicknames, take more distance, I choose to take distance beforehand. Then also the negative stuff would... Uh, would would get to me less. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important beforehand you want to decide what's my general strategy and how close I let people come to me. Am I going to read all the... Am I wanna, do I want to be a YouTuber that engages with people in the comments and pins stuff and sends a community post and then likes something and replies to a lot of comments in chat? Well, that means that the negative comments are going to get to you because you let people come close. And if you think like, this is not for me, I can't handle the booze, then you need to step away from that and do less engaging in the comments. So I don't think it's necessarily a strategy towards like, how do I deal with negative feedback mm-hmm. and get thick skin? But do I have thick skin and can I let people come close? That answer is just so awesome. I feel like I want to stand up and give you like a, a standing ovation because <laughs> I've, I've like quite genuinely, you know, in, in full admission, you know, folks, you know, I've watched a little bit of Lex's stream before, but I'm not, you know, watching it every single time. So I got a whole bunch of stuff to do as well. But my God, man, I have just fallen in love with your authenticity. You like you're mm. so you know yourself so well and are unafraid to go ahead and and say what it is that you want to say. That is a phenomenal quality. And I can very much see what it is that attracts your audience to your stream. Wow, man. Freaking bravo. Love it. Wow. That's, a, that's, that's phenomenal. A compliment. Thanks. It's the real deal. Like It was just like. Again, like you can't help but fall in love with someone who's speaking their truth. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you mentioned, you know, we talked obviously about the consistency being, you know, pretty much one of, if not the most important factor and, you know, just showing up every single day. There was one very recent period of time where you did take a little bit of an extended break for very good reason. Uh, you became a papa. And mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. Obviously, even the most uh, hardcore fans, you know, wouldn't say, oh, where are you today? You got, you got to take some time to, to be a yeah. So first of all, that was your first break in a very, very long time and an extended break. So A, what was it like to sort of just take that break? And B, how has that, you know, it, it's, not, it's not just, you know, Lex plus one anymore. It's Lex plus two. Yeah. Very little too where your attention, you know, definitely needs to be. So how has that sort of changed your day to day, if at all? Uh, I definitely, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's sort of like the most amazing deep dive on an emotional level. It's mm. just, I really, I want to be very, very present. You know, I think there's a, there's a big trap when you can plan your own time and, you know, poker and then also streaming there's a very literal, the more time you put into it, the more success you'll have. Yeah. But I think that finding the balance for me, I've had to learn in poker and also in streaming mm-hmm. the hard way. Um, and I I just know that there's a there's a certain balance that I need to have. And I, I really want to be present. So when when uh, when Nafi was born, um, I took five weeks off and just was there, you know, all the time. And 
you know, like the same that I won't work evenings and my stream on Thursday, I uh, play cash games because then I have a clear ending point right. because then I can drive home and I can be with him an hour before he goes to bed, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something that, that, that it's just not, I'm just not going to cross. And yeah, he, yeah, he's amazing. He's just, we really wanted like a naughty kid, like an adventurous kid. And we, <laughs> oh my God, we got one. Like he's insane. Like he's already like testing, testing all the boundaries and pushing our buttons. And then uh -huh. he'll just like give us a smirk. It's, it's, it's been the most joyful thing. So, um, yeah, really nice. He he's, uh, 16 months, 16 months. Yeah. And we have a baby girl on the way as well now. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, my wife's uh, 26 weeks along now. Um, and you know, that's, we're just going to have to see what the situation is. Like, I, I, I'm going to continue streaming. I know that for sure, right? I'm going to continue to play poker. Um, I've been able to deal with, like, really big sort of, like, life changes uh, well uh, and finding a, a rhythm and a schedule. So I'm just going to figure it out. You know, I want to work. I want to have, uh, you know, I'm very driven in my career. Um, I mean, I just sleep a lot less nowadays, <laughs> you know? I know. I just... That, I know that I just, feeling quite well. <laughs> I mean... I just can't believe that I would complain about getting only getting seven hours of sleep before it's is the most insane thing. If I sleep seven hours now, I'm like, wow, you know, that's amazing. <laughs> Changes but, the perspective. I got yeah, three kids. Yeah, I got but, three kids of my own. So I know. Exactly oh wow, yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, three. Okay, holy shit. Yeah, my man. oldest and, is 14 and a half. So I, you know, it's bringing back memories. And my youngest is turning 10. So thankfully, the sleep isn't an issue. But I remember that period of time quite well. I know what you well, mean. respect. Thanks. <laughs> um, Thanks. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, in a way, I'm also looking at it like, you know, our first uh, Navi uh, took us uh, three years uh, to, to be able uh, to have him. And we went through a lot and hormonal therapies and stress and, you know, uh, sadness, uh, like all that stuff we went through, like didn't know if it was possible. And then um, uh, we had him, which is amazing. And the second one was like sort of almost like a surprise. Like we knew we wanted a second kid, but like, you know, you, you, you go from sort of knowing having kids is a natural thing to like, holy shit, this is not actually as standard that you can just have a kid right. whenever you want. You know, there's, there's a lot of things and there's, a, there's a lot of sort of like um, hurdles and, and things that can go wrong. And, and now we have the now we're expecting the girl and it's just like, it just feels so amazing. So we're, we feel super grateful. Um, that we actually were able to, uh, to, to, to have a second one. And, mm -hmm. um, I also kind of really, I did the way I look at it now is like, you know, when the second one is there, like we really, we really would have loved to have two. Now we're, we, 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 we most likely will have two healthy babies. That's it for us on the kids front. And then it's just like, whatever schedule I build around that, that's just going to be my schedule, you know? And I, I won't be able to stream as much as somebody who's 23 and doesn't have a partner. I can just like go full fucking steam ahead, which is what I did when I was 23, you right. know? But I'm 38 and I'm going to find a place for it. And I'm going to find a working thing. But I know I know one thing. I'll be streaming in five years, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just like uh, four years ago now, I think I collapsed uh, during TwitchCon. I had heart issues based off of stress and just working too much. And I was just like literally just like fucking fell down in the street, uh, had to fly home. Doctor was like, you know, you like you have a, you have yourself checked out and you're kind of expecting the doctor like all the work looks good. Yeah. yeah. But no, they were like, yes, you have heart issues. <laughs> oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. so that that really gave me like uh, also a big sense of like I need to be more balanced and mm -hmm. you know it's not about what can I do best for my work next week and that's work right what's what's the best thing I can do for my work this week work seven days 
right? What's the best thing I can do for my work this month? Work every single day. What's the best thing I can do for my work in three years? Take next week off, right? Otherwise, I won't be around. I won't have the right. continuity. I won't have the energy. I won't have the consistency. My life will be out of balance. My wife will be fucking mad for good reason. She'll <laughs> leave me if I keep doing that, you know? So it really woke me up in the hard way. And I had to learn that with poker too, where friends were just like, when I was 24, my friends were like, yo, pick up your fucking phone, man. You know, mm. I was like, and, and to a point where one of the guys like, you need to show that you want to invest in this friendship because otherwise it's a one-way street. And that really had that wake up there. And I feel like sort of like collapsing it was the best thing that could have happened to me because now I have a really good life work balance. And it gave me sort of like a natural progression into knowing that I really want to fight for that time with my kids as well. So I feel like I'm in a really good spot and, you know, like we'll see, we'll see what gets from, from here and, and I'll, I'll figure out a schedule and make it work. That is beautiful. And first and foremost, I hope the rest of the pregnancy goes smoothly and everything Thank is you. just, you know, wonderful and easy. So many parallels, you know, it's like, I, I almost hate to do that, you know, from a very real personal world example, but there's so many parallels in what you said to the game of poker. How many times you have someone who, you know, they go ahead and they bink their first tournament. They think it's so easy, but, you know, like you said, it's sometimes, you know, you don't realize just how tough it is, you know, yeah. <laughs> like there's that. And then there's the, you know, like everyone talks about balancing ranges. Well, there's work-life balance. There's a lot of parallels between what you said uh, and, and poker as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to sort of see someone again, like who started so long ago at 15 years ago, all that sort of stuff. And that whole progression that you made, people who have followed, you know, your entire career, you know, Alexa's growing up, all that stuff. It's a very cool thing to sort of see that, you know, maturation as well. It's like, yeah, you were, that 24-year-old grinder who didn't pick, you know, up a phone at one time, and that was right for you at that time. And then you realize, you know, you got to change. You got to change it up. You got to, you know, change gears, all that sort of thing. Very, very cool. Um, I want to move very briefly. Uh, you know, I want to make sure we just maximize the time and get some community questions in as well. Yep. Uh, can't not mention Poker Stars. You're, I think, by far the longest tenured member of Poker Stars team online. You've been with the company since way back in 2009. That's yeah. a long time, folks. You think it's yes? That's like 13 years. That is an eternity. And then you switch on my life, right? That's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, and you switch from Team Pro to Team Online in 2013. You know, you, you had said, you alluded to briefly earlier of like, you know, that's the dream, you know, be sponsored. What does it mean to you to not just, you know, be a sponsored pro, but to have, you know, like, well, we use that Kobe Bryant thing as well. Like you've stayed with the same team, your entire sponsored career. That's a huge deal. What does that mean to you? Uh, I just generally think that I, I think, uh, I, I think loyalty is very important. I like really long working uh, relationships. I mean, obviously, like if two people have to keep putting energy into it, the, the both those both parties. But um, I, I mean, it's like back in the day when I was on Team Pro, that was it was like the only place to be for me because I just always grinded on stars. Um, I, I had, I, I was, I was, I was hacked once, and yeah. um, I lost, and I was playing all sides, right? I play all sides everywhere, and I was hacked once, and uh, stars was the only one that secured my money. Where they were like, we know you're traveling. There's something going on with your account. Don't worry. And that gave me so much confidence that I just started playing on that side. Um, also, I, they were just doing the coolest shit. So I always kind of wanted to be uh, there. And then they, you know, they they did a lot of cool stuff. There was a lot of friends on the team. And then uh, when I got signed, I made a lot of new friends on the team. And I started working with people. 
for a very long time. You know, obviously there what but what I really like about it as well, like obviously there's been trials and tribulations in the past, and you go through like, you know, good times, bad times. But what I really like with the spot where I, I got to now is that I actually get to work along on projects that actually do a lot, right? For poker, that like big changes or thinking about thinking about tournaments or you know, introducing the new rakeback system, that sort of stuff. Like I've had a really big part in that or at least with a lot of people, but I'm very involved in that, right? So you start more to thinking, more thinking about the landscape of poker and the things that need progression there or cool new things. And it really matches well with the fact that I'm streaming because I have such an ear to the ground now for what people actually want and what people think and what lives among the people, you know? Like if you... And this is not to, to, to like shit on anybody that does that or whatever, but let's say if I was grinding live tournaments and I was traveling the roads, how do I know what what like Joe Rando that plays the $1 bounty builder every Sunday, what he likes, but they come into my Twitch chat and they tell me or they, they right. give positive feedback, negative feedback. So I really feel like I'm sort of like a, a, a connection, a portal between Pokestars as a platform and and the people. So that's really nice. And I, I mean... Especially with the Twitch, like Pokestars has always been sort of like the the the, fur, the, the farthest ahead yeah. uh, on Twitch. They know the most. If I mention a random, if we have a meeting, like I was on Isle of Men, the Pokestars, one of the Pokestars headquarters uh, uh, last March. If I'm in a meeting there and I say something about a really big Twitch streamer that has nothing to do with poker, everybody's like, hmm, you know, or everybody everybody knows instantly who it is. Or did you see that? Everybody gets a reference. I'm like, do you know this fucking scene that Dr. Disrespect has and whatever? And I want to, and everybody's like, yes, yes, I've seen that thing. So you know, they <laughs> have like, cool. So for me, it feels like, you know how like you have this, you have this idea that you have this like sort of if 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 you if you if you think about like working at Google or something on a new product or at Apple or something and this very innovative, creative. That's what I feel like that Pokestars, the Twitch team is is like now, right? Everybody knows, every department knows Twitch. Every department wants to know how it interacts with Twitch. So for me, it's just like the most natural place to be, right? And it. And on top of that, it's a long-lasting relationship. I've worked with the same people for a very long time, and I really love working with them. So it's it's just a really good spot to be in. And obviously, there's also nice things. Like I said, you have influence, but it also offers stability. It's mm-hmm. it's like a whole, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just a thing. It's a puzzle piece that fits perfectly there. It's very cool because, like, you know, for so many people for the longest time, you know, that brass ring that, that you know, everyone wanted to achieve, that, that goal was that sponsorship. But within that, there are clearly levels, you know, just like, just to give people, you know, who've been around for a little while of poker history, 2009 means you've been with them through Black Friday, through changing, you know, the company changing from private to public ownership. You were there when the company changed ownership again, another couple of times. That is a, again, an absolute eternity. And, you know, again, you didn't just have that sponsorship, but your role within them has sort of grown where you have, you know, the, the way you described it, you've got that influence. That's very, very cool to sort of hear those higher levels and echelons of achievement that can be had with longevity, with standing the test of time. Uh, it says uh, a lot about you, Lex. That's, that's very cool. Um, nice. I want to touch upon Lex Live that you talked about, um, you know, how it came about. Like, I, I want to get that story. I'm just a little nervous about not having enough time, though. I just kind of, I'm I'm good. So you're good. Okay. So first of all, I got to ask, you know, obviously it, it kind of makes sense. You know, these days everyone's doing like these meetup games, very in vogue, very popular. And when you have that Twitch community that you're engaging with, great. 
how, what was sort of the brainstorming like? How did that first Lex Live uh, come about and come to fruition? Um, it just felt like sort of like a natural thing, right? Because I, I come from online communities and then there would be like a live tournament. I mean, back in the day, I played StarCraft and then we would go to the national finals and I would see all the people that I, all the, the, the names behind the nicknames and you feel like this bond to people because you hang out every day and you talk. So to me, it's always been a natural thing for if you form an online community for that to be the next step where you meet each other in real life and you connect there. So um, I, uh, and it's also something people ask for. And at first we're just going to like rent, I would just rent out the bar and we drink a beer. But um, then me and my wife uh, decided to, before we wanted to settle down between quotation marks, we decided to, um, uh, to travel. And, you know, I streamed from Costa Rica, from Canada, from, you know, we went all over the place there. So, uh, that's also when my stream just grew and grew. And then when I came back home and we started considering doing something like Lex Live, all of a sudden, the, the amount of people asking for it was so big that we just thought, okay, we just need to make this some sort of poker festival, right? So it, it became almost like a convention, mm. a, a poker online community convention in a way. So right. uh, we did the first one in Belgium, the second one in London. Um, I'm trying to see where uh, we're doing the third one. Um, I'm not entirely sure yet because there's also still like COVID rearing up in different places and it's a bit more sensitive than a regular poker tournament, right? Because people that come to Lex Live, some of them don't even really play poker themselves. They treat it as their vacation, right? They save yeah. up for it. You have to ask time from work. If a bunch of professional poker players book a trip to an EPT and the EPT gets canceled, the, the, the cost of the trip is actually the smallest part of the whole trip for them, right? If you look at the buy-ins and everything that they're doing. So... It's like easier to maneuver. They're more savvy with traveling. They'll have cancellation sure. policies, all that stuff. But if I host a tournament and it gets canceled, some people just use, lose their vacation money for the whole year and they're fucked. Right. So it's something very sensitive that I'm aware of. And um, so I, it's kind of like really waiting out COVID. We had to cancel the third edition, but 100% going to be back. Awesome. Um, and it's something that I just want to do once or twice a year at the very least. Uh, and it's just nice for me because it's like during my stream, people really get to connect to me and they see me and they hear me and I get to connect to people as well but through the things they say or their nickname and it's just really nice to just get FaceTime with them you know and a lot of the conversation that likes live is just is just me asking like what do you do you know <laughs> what do you do is your family here what like what is life at home like like what, what do you guys want to do tonight or you know so it's uh it's just uh it's just sort of like deepening the bond that the community has and I, I just honestly at Lex Live I mean, I feel like I'm just another one of the people of the community there, nice. sort of, you know, just sitting there, hanging out at the bar all day. We just uh, go see a movie together, that sort of thing. So it's just nice to meet people that have like, like-minded interests and, and ideas and, 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 you know, yeah, just. Very cool. I imagine it must have been, again, you've done it twice. Then when you get back in front of the camera on the stream and then you see the name of that person you met, that yeah. must, you know, bring a little bit of an extra smile to your face. That's, I can see it right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. They're, yeah, there's some nice. people like one guy will just be super energetic and just ready to go, ready, wants to like have action on anything and just like make side <laughs> bets about bar games and whatever. And then this this person comes in and then they're excited for a football game. And then you're like, yes, of course you are, you fucking maniac. You know, <laughs> just, you know so it's uh, it's nice. nice. And people do a lot of nice things in the, in the, in the channel for each other as well. So it, it feels very gratifying. It feels sort of like, you know, in a lot of ways, also mentoring role for people to get to know poker in a very positive way, you know. I mean, there's been people also where I see them in a live environment and they're asking me questions about poker. And then I just send them a private message like, bro, I'm sorry, but I don't think poker's for you, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen you in real life. 
I've seen you sort of like talk about it. I've seen the the the, the things that you like to do the 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 the, the, the things that you like to be sort of like tingled by in action aspects, I just don't think it's a good idea for you or something like, holy shit, okay, thank you. Or somebody else who has potential is like, hey, you know, you should join this Discord group. You should talk to this person, get this person. Like he offers very cheap coaching, get a few hours. I really think you can get the strain on the track or people are just dealing with other stuff or something. I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's a cool thing, community. And it's uh, like I said earlier, it's one of the reasons why I like streaming so much because uh, everybody gets together. So uh, yeah. That is absolutely gigantic. You know, I just like, I, I, it's happened to me before because, you know, it's one thing like when you hear, let's say from a family member or when you hear from a close friend, but when you hear from, you know, like in this particular case, Lex, who like, you know, wow, I'm looking up to him and watching the stream. He really thinks, you know, whether I you know should go for poker, shouldn't go for poker. That carries a gigantic Mm -hmm. amount of weight and the fact that you take time to go ahead and do that that your community matters to you that much that is just absolutely huge and surely the you know the things that you've done i don't even know what it was but even just from those couple examples you have made a, a huge difference in people's lives and helped guide them you know probably in the right way that is unbelievable um yeah, uh, yeah thank you i mean it's i think it's also like it's just there's so much like there's so many people that are doing doing the best they can in that community as well, right? Like mm -hmm. we we I got a, like a couple of weeks ago, I get a message from somebody that's subscribing again, and they said like, "Hey, I just want to thank you. Uh, I just got married last week," and I was like, "Okay, so you know, yeah, why thanks? Like congratulations yeah. or whatever." He's like, "Well, uh, I'm a I'm a 24 month sub now. When I subscribed to you, I was in the hospital uh, for a failed suicide attempt, and." Uh, I I tried uh, again in the hospital, but I watched your stream every day and I came in and people would greet me and ask me like, hey, there you are again. How's your day going or something? He's like, that's the first time in my life I felt seen. And that made me feel like I was watching all these people and I reached out to some people that said something about that were more open about their suicidal thoughts or their depression or whatever. And he's like, and there was a topic on your stream and I started talking to people and he's like, I'm married and we have a kid on the way and I just bought a house now. And it's like, holy fucking shit. You know, that's, it's so crazy. The, the positive, and it's also really good to think about the negative that you can do online. Right. Like, yeah. so it's just, it's way more than words. So when you read something like that, it's just like that, that just gives you fuel for another month. You know what I mean? Damn, and it's man. like, wow. it's just like, so if, if you, if you shape a community, but the community sort of like, like I shaped it at the beginning, but now it's just is this sort of hemisphere that it is and everybody keeps it intact. And I'm just like a little piece of it, right? And you just keep it intact and people like, like, like one, one of it, like Ferris, who's like a very valued community member, his mom passed away. And I just know that there's like dozens of people that have sent him messages like, hey, if you need an ear, if you need something, can we do something? Like people that live in the, his country, like, can I help you out with something? You know, that sort of thing. It's like, it's really nice. It sounds super wholesome and stuff, but I think it's really good to have a place like that. Um, and then you can also shoot the shit and tell each other, you know, to, to, to fuck off or something. It's really good to have that. So it feels like a natural friendship uh, dynamic. So I love yeah. it. Well, that, that story, guys, just, you know, stop here, play those last three minutes again. I was just, that blew me away. That was unbelievable. Wow. Uh, one last question from me before we move into the community questions. Uh, you know, Lex Live notwithstanding, hopefully, you know, in the right place at the right time. Uh, Poker Stars, of course, is back, you know, in full force with their live events. We've got, you know, a big PSPC uh, planned for next year, end of January. Uh, EPT Barcelona is coming up next month. 
Um, can we see, uh, can we expect perhaps uh, a Lex uh, appearance at one of those or maybe something smaller somewhere else? Yeah, I definitely think, uh, I mean, I've got, I've, I've definitely have the itch to, uh, to go play a, a live tournament. Um, also, because I got I got a lot better over the last couple of years, so I kind of feel like I used to be a cash game player that also played tournaments, and I kind of feel like now I'm really a tournament player. So I I really want to see what I can do live, sort of way, or I at least want to experience being sort of a mature, patient individual when I play a live tournament. You know, mm-hmm. that will be a new sensation for me. But um, I uh, you know with with uh, uh, my wife being pregnant now, sure. uh, the, the due date is October 15th. So up until that time, I'm not doing much. Um, then later on in the year, there's going to be EPT Prague, which is always huge. Yeah. I think if everything goes well with the baby and the recovery and all that stuff and everything lands in a good place, um, I might pop over to play the main event there. Nice. Um, 100,000% playing the PSPC. Um, that is definitely one of the most special live experiences uh, that I've uh, that I've experienced uh, in my life. Um, just that gave me sort of like that old school poker. We all come from way different walks in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you meet a guy that plays his first big uh, tournament that's a doctor. And, you know, uh, I, you meet somebody, she works in sales and now is at a poker tournament because of the, the Platinum Pass. So I'm super excited yeah. for that one. Um, and then I think that next year I'll definitely um, pop over for some EPTs because it's like a one or two hour flight max and, mm-hmm. and I can just uh, enjoy some of those main events. So, yeah, awesome. 100%. Well, a lot to look forward to. It'll be very, very cool. And, uh, you know, whenever those trips do come, I hope you enjoy, have a wonderful ride, and lots and yeah, lots thanks. of deep runs. Um, folks, in this segment of the show, we now turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. And, of course, we have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. We've got four question askers Today, uh, we'll try to get to as many of them as we can in the time that we've got. Um, here's one from Crystal. Thank you very much, Crystal, for sending this one in. Um, just sort of a generic view. Obviously, you know, online poker has, you know, regulation as a topic that comes uh, up very often. And, you know, more and more countries, regions, you know, they clamp down. They have these rules, lawmakers, all that stuff. Just sort of wondering, uh, Crystals wants to know, Lex, do you view regulation overall as a good thing or a bad thing for poker? Uh, I think regulation is a good thing. I think there's definitely like, sort of like, as a player, you might seem, you you might go through inconvenient moments, right? It seems like there's either more rules or there's a different structure to it. But I think that generally it's really good that sites get held to a certain standard. And that's what happens, right? They need to get a license from a government and there are going to be rules in place. And if you don't meet those rules, then you don't get licensed. So if somebody's not licensed, you know, immediately to stay away from it because they couldn't they couldn't match the the sort of uh, quality requirements. So I think that's really good. I mean, the, the one thing that's 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 sometimes a, a bit sad is if if governments are really uneducated mm-hmm. about the topic. But that's why I think it's really important for PokerStars and, and, and providers to just work along with governments and educating them what everything means, what everything entails and all that stuff. But I think in a lot of ways uh, they get it right. And yeah, I mean, eventually I think that every market should be uh, a licensed, uh, a legalized uh, a system because that needs to happen. And until it doesn't, then you have all these pitfalls and insecurities. And, you know, there's a, there's there's uh, a, a, there needs to be responsible gaming, right? That's very important. Uh, there needs to be a good support system. The money needs to be safe. All this stuff just need. There needs to be security checks. All this stuff just needs to be there instead of like some Joe Rando site that can do anything. Like, 
you know, if you have a feeling that you need to sort of like cash out after all your sessions because you don't know what's going to happen to the site, like that's just not how you right. want to play online, right? So exactly. um, I'm definitely in favor of uh, legislation everywhere. Uh, I just hope that it happens in a, a smart, practical way. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that everything globally uh, moves towards that spot. Sometimes you see government that kind of like changes along the way because now they do learn. So um, sure. it's a process, but it's a good process. And it's one that needs to be done at a certain point anyway. So we might as well do it now. Right. Just like, uh, you know, the, the game of poker, everyone sort of got better, you know, like we're seeing slowly, yeah. very slowly at the pace of government. But the dominoes are falling more and more jurisdictions are becoming legalized, regulated. So, you know, the news is good. We just got to, you know, hang in there. You can't win the tournament in level one. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, good answer. Uh, one more from Crystals uh, wants to know, Lex, which streamer have you looked up to the most? So many people answer Lex, Lex, Lex. So. Who does uh, Lex look up to as far as Twitch streaming? Uh, I mean, w would that be specific poker streamer or or just, should I just answer both? You can answer however you'd like. Um, I really liked uh, Lyric. He's a, he's a big variety streamer. Uh, he's a bit edgy. He's able to get 20 to 25,000 viewers without streaming with a cam. So he's a really strong personality hmm. uh, that I really like. Um, and he streams variety. So he's done so many different things and people just invest in him. And the way he is, and he's always no nonsense. He's always the same. Uh, he doesn't really alter himself for it, and I really think that's amazing. Also, he's just a sick gamer that's good at every game, so it was always fun to watch something different. Uh, I love Doctor Disrespect, who's this abrasive character that just has the most insane innovation on Twitch. The segments that he does, everything is on point. Um, I just really love watching uh, anything he does, and so he's a very popular streamer that's just. Yeah, I just like his whole shtick. It's just it's just incredible to watch. Um, I think in terms of poker streamers, um, the biggest influence on me, I think, was Tonka. Um, and as you know, uh, obviously there's big streamers. You know, yeah, Jason Somerville and Jamie Staples and 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 those guys. You know, were there early as well. But I think the style that I can most identify with was Tonka. You know, he was a little rough around the edges a little more like swingy in his attitudes or moods. So that's always kind of the way I thought, saw my stream because like that's kind of my ideology behind streaming, right? Like sometimes I have a good day, sometimes a bad day. If I'm fucking hungover, don't expect any smiles, you know? So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of that's kind of what I how I felt that and he 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 got through the ranks really quickly. Yeah. And I didn't start streaming long after that. So I always thought it was, you know, it was kind of sort of inspiring to see that um, there was there was a sort of place for that because before that everything was a little bit more safe on Twitch poker. It was a little mm -hmm. bit more happy, a little bit more safe, um, and I felt like that was a great counterpoint to that, um, and g just gave me a lot of motivation to to really go for it myself too. Nice. And for those who don't know Tonka Parker Talbot, wonderful guy. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll have him on the show sometime as well. Uh, Louvart Loveart is our next question asker. Just got one for you. A little bit more in the uh, specific poker streets here, wants to know, Lex, in your opinion, what is the most important stage in terms of a stack size that uh, of a tournament that a player needs to master? Otherwise, they'll never be successful at MTTs. The early stage, the mid stage, the late stage, the bubble. What What's your opinion there? Um, I think that it's really important to learn uh, 10 to 30 big blind poker um, because I think that's, usually towards the end of a tournament that's where most of your decisions are going to be it's also like if you make mistakes there which is going to be near the end that's those are the biggest mistakes 
Like, for instance, later on in the tournament, you're almost never going to be 100 big blinds deep in a spot. So studying a, a really, like, let's say you have a really interesting hand on the river in a 100 big blind deep spot, that's usually going to be at the start of a tournament. So the eventual pot is going to be like 40% of a starting stack. Whereas you might be uh, in a 30 big blind only or 20 big blind spot later on in the tournament, but that's going to be for like 25 starting stacks, right? So if you look up the impact of a hand late in a tournament, it's so much bigger than early. So I, and it's easier to learn as well because there's less variables, right? Um, it's, it's much easier to study 30 big blind poker than it is because there's like less difference in bet sizing and all that stuff. Um, it happens more often. So I would definitely study that the most. Um, and then, of course, yeah, ICM is very important, but Pure Bubble is very, uh, very complicated. Um, I would just start with like, yeah, 10 to 30 big blind poker. Um, but what a lot of people skip is also just fucking opening ranges. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. honestly, if I would, if I would, you know, love art, if I would ask you, like, what hands do you open under the gun 20 big blinds deep? Can you really give me a specific range or, or a close one? People kind of know. But like all that stuff is out there on the internet. If you Google that, there will be sites promoting it. Like like there's charts everywhere. You can look at it, right? You can learn it. And it's really important to just know. And a lot of people get close enough. And I don't think that people like to be honest to themselves in what they don't know. And people a lot of times think like, well, I'm already like sort of like semi-pro. I'm intermediate poker player. So yeah, what do I do on the river? But it's not. Like I still fucking look at opening ranges. Like I got chewed out by my coach. It's like, Okay, so button opens, you're folding all your 7x suited hands. Why aren't you calling queen 7, jack 7, 10 7? And it's like, because I thought they were folds. Well, they're not. You know, so this, this happened two weeks ago, you know, so it's, there's so many different situations, especially in tournament poker with all the different stack sizes. Sure. Just invest time in that because everything that comes after that is a compound mistake, right? You need to start at the start. What hands do I open? And then you're like, okay, so how do those hands play against re raises? And how do those hands play on flops? And then slowly you get towards river decisions. But when, once you study yourself towards river decisions, you'll get to really clear uh, ranges that are you know, well-structured so you can make really good decisions that you actually learn something from it. So just start at the start. Um, ICM is definitely important. Um, so you know, it's definitely a subject that, that's going to garner you a lot of money. But you know, first start with what gets you deep in a tournament, and that's the basics. Excellent. Detail answer. Do we have time for two more or three more? Yeah, let's do them all. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, okay, cool. So, oh, all of them. I got tons more, but we'll do three. Oh, more. Okay, well, let's do three. <laughs> let's do three. Uh, our, our question askers are very prolific on this episode. So, uh, Chica Bonita, thank you very much for sending this one in. Uh, look, obviously, one of the biggest names in poker, Daniel Negreanu, um, wants to know, Chica Bonita, is it true that you taught him online poker? Uh, no. No, for sure not. No, 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 no. I think that I think that one of the cool things about Negreanu, I think, which also sets him apart um, from other really big names from that age, is that his ability to sort of catch up and study, like be honest to himself and be like, okay, I need to do work and do the fucking work and seek out people. And during the time of the big game is when Negreanu obviously had all his tournament success and he had played cash games back in the day, and he started playing some cash games and we played on stars and where he would just, I, I would run into him and I was already, you know, friends with him and I'd play a session with him and I'd see a hand and I was like, you know, normally like unsolicited advice can be very annoying. Right. But I knew that he was very interested in sort of like looking at the game in new eyes and I just started saying like, bro, you can't, you can't, you can't call there, you know, because like you're torching money or whatever because X, Y, Z. 
And then he'd be like, oh, really? That's interesting. And we'd start talking about it. And we start talking about like all these spots, all these hands. Um, uh, so it was more like we're doing these creative sessions uh, right okay. before the big game where we're, uh, where we're, where we're talking through all the strategy. And I was kind of like telling him about the meta game and everything. But now he deserves all the credit for a lot of the stuff he sought out. And he really cracked down on numbers and stuff. And I do think I was at some influence, but like not, not to where you can say like I taught him online poker. No, no, not at all. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that ledge. It's also cool to sort of hear uh, that little story again, you know, you never know unless uh, one of the participants yeah. tells you. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, one more from Chica Bonita. During the pandemic, uh, a lot more players began or restarted playing online. Did that make it harder for you to play or easier? And uh, again, obviously, this is a little part of it, but like, to what degree or extent did that affect your bankroll that online period of time? Um, I would at any given moment say that the more people that start playing, the better it is for me. Um, mm -hmm. Because to give you an idea, and this, this, is, this is not me blowing myself up, but they would go for anybody in my skill level. If you would transport me back three or four years in time, I'd be the best tournament player. That's how much new info there has come to poker. That's how much wow. studying has improved. That's just how much knowledge there is, right? And this goes for people that are similar in my skill level or whatever. Uh, um, uh, and obviously even more so for people that are better than me. But there are so many new sort of like bet sizes, tricks, lines that people have figured out, good hands to do stuff with, or ICM, right? Just, just how much do pay jumps affect the decisions that I'm making? There's so much more knowledge about that now and so much more access to studying it uh, that just wasn't, like even three, four years ago, there was much more stuff based on opinion. And so if you are to ask me, like, if a lot of good players come back from that used to play a lot four years ago, yeah, sure, they're going to be better than the next guy, but I still have an edge on them. So it's right. just another person in a tournament that I have an edge on. Never mind. Like, if somebody's... I mean, this might be... Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. If somebody was world-class 10 years ago and they would start playing, now they're dog shit. Wow. That's just that the way bad. it is. Wow. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're going to put you in tough spots, right? Sure. They're gonna. They're smart people. They know how to. They know how to really do stuff. But if you really look at like elegant, sort of like smart, savvy, high pressure poker strategy, you just blow them away. They're gonna have a really miserable time. You know, if somebody that plays fifty-five dollar buy-ins now and is good at them, fifty-five dollar buy-ins, so mid stakes, play against somebody that used to play five Ks ten years ago, there'd be a fucking nightmare to play against for the people that played ten years ago. Wow. So unbelievable. Yeah, people are just really fucking good. And people play like gangsters these days. It's really crazy. <laughs> like, if, if you, if you, and people all, sometimes, like, if you would ask me, like, is a solver bad for poker? Like, I mean, it would be better if they weren't there, but it doesn't make poker more boring. It's characters can make poker boring. But if you would put a solver in a tournament, they would play like the biggest fucking maniac. You would think that they just came down from an after party at the strip. They're still <laughs> drunk out of their fucking brain and they have way too much money. That's, that's how they would play. So, you know, people play like gangsters these days and people deserve credit for that as well. Also, people that play mid-stakes. If you're a mid-stakes winner, you're really fucking good and you would smash people that played 10 years ago. Now, the person that was really good 10 years ago is very smart and you're going to be in a river decision. You're like, oh, fuck, you know, that's really smart. But if we play 100 situations, I'm going to put them way more in that spot than they would put me, right? So um, the more people play tournaments, the better for me, right? So... Uh, all the best players in the world are already playing and they're continuing to play. And if you get out of that train, the train is going to drive on very fast oh, yeah. with new things that are being studied. And I think that's more that, that's definitely not a compliment to me, right? But it's a compliment to the game and the depth of the game 
that this game has been played for so so many decades and that still five years can make such a difference in it. Absolutely. Um, last one, Acid Burn FX, one of our wonderful commenters. Our last question we'd like to end off one. You know, over it's a nice little bow to sort of tie it all together because we've gotten into your whole love for poker, your career for poker, and in Twitch, and you know, your whole life, you know, to a degree, like to, you really have to be all in to, to achieve the levels that you've achieved. Acid Burn FX wants to know what would you be doing if not for poker? Huh. Yeah. I used to have all sorts of answers to that question, but I mean, I've been playing poker for 18 years now. I'm 38. Like, look at look at back, like what kind of, where, where I was at in my development, in my interest in life, like my emotional levels. I mean, I was, I was 20 years old. Like I was, I was just a kid, you know? Oh. So I used to have all these questions for it or maybe options trading or maybe this, or maybe I used to love, I would have loved to study history if I didn't drop out of school. Like, who knows? You know, I've, I've gone through almost, uh, apart from puberty, I've gone through almost all of the development stages in my life while I was playing poker. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I really don't fucking know. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I can say what I would do after this, you know, okay. what, what would be an interest of mine or something. I think that what I, one of the things that, let's, let's say, right, because I'm still, I, I think that right now at the stage where I'm at, I'm at the same level of enthusiasm of poker as when I first started getting good and That's climbing amazing. the ranks. A hundred percent, like hence my heart. I am absolutely in love with the game and playing and learning and everything and doing it every day. So I love that. If let's say hypothetically, I completely fall out of love with it in four years and I'm just like, okay, guys, this is 22 years. This was it for me. I think the first thing I would do is, is start streaming variety games. So I would just start picking like a new game, Elden Ring that comes out, play through, then fucking new Zelda comes out, play through, hang out with people, interact with people around it. Um, I. Okay, really out of left field, and I don't think I've ever really said this, but I, I think one of the first things I would try if I would not play poker anymore is write a fantasy book. A fantasy book? A fantasy yeah, I love, gaming? Love, no, no, I just fucking love reading fantasy. Amazing. Yeah, so wow. I, I, I read, you know, I'm reading Wheel of Time now, but I've, I've read so many trilogies, books, because I feel like it completely takes me out of a setting and it's completely relaxing to me. Uh, I love fantasy shows, whatever, so just like seeing... If I can, if I can put some creativity in that, if if that would be something, um, my sister, my sister is 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 in a in this like very high level writing school, uh, where like in her final year she actually has to publish like a, a fiction, um, and she's really good at it, and it's kind of inspiring to hear her stories, and it kind of makes me feel like, you mm. know, I've always loved to write blogs when I was uh, younger and stuff, and written strategy articles, so I kind of like doing that kind of stuff. So maybe that's something I would love, but it's super out of left field, but. Nice. Um, I usually think that if you have a lot of passion for something and you really enjoy what you're doing, for me at least, that's all I'm doing. I'm experiencing it right now. It's like, I feel like the moment you start thinking about like, what else would I try to do? That's kind of that you already start reaching a crossroads, right? Like right. Maybe you want to do something else or maybe you need to reinvigorate your passion for what you're doing. Maybe that's the answer, but that's, that's not on my mind at all. Sure. Um, well, poker's going to have you for a long time yet, I'm sure. But yeah. folks, you heard it here first <laughs> on the Cards Chat podcast when you see the New York Times bestselling author <laughs> uh, Lex Veltus, uh, Velthaus. You, you heard it here first. Uh, thank you, everyone, who sent in questions for Lex. And just, again, a friendly reminder to all of you out there in the Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions. 
for our future podcast guests and the dedicated thread on the forums. Guys, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Lex, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to tell the Cards Chat audience? Um, yeah, be honest to yourself. Put your fucking head down and work. If you want to achieve something, focus something that can b- bring a lot of beautiful things, but you have to really work hard and be smart about it. Um, if you want to ask me anything else, if there were any unanswered questions, you know, I'm Lex Veldhuis across all socials at twitch.tv slash Lex Veldhuis. If you want to check out the stream sometime, I'd love to have you. And uh, it's a good community to join and uh, just experience and laugh at some poker uh, together. So uh, thanks for listening in and uh, rock on. Awesome. Uh, boom. You heard it here. Uh, thanks again so much from Lex Velt to Lex Veldhuis. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardClearLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.